You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that. Will you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, the word that you gave to John the Baptist has now become a word for us by its incorporation into the Holy Scriptures. Help us to understand exactly what you are doing with us, for us, and to us through this word. Teach us your will and your ways that we may be ever more better prepared for the coming of our Lord. And this we ask in his name, which is forever Jesus the Christ. Amen. So, I was in my first church in Zion, Zion Lutheran in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, I had just become a Christian, and so I was doing Advent for the first time. And they got to this text. And, um, you know, and there's John the Baptist, you brood of vipers, the axe is laid to the root of the trees. He's going to burn the chaff with unquenchable fire. And then the Bible says... And so, with many other exhortations, he preached good news to the people. I leaned over to my wife and said, do you have a different definition of good news in church than I have? (laughs) And of course, the answer was yes. Yes. See, I was hearing the Bible the way I was, expecting good news the way I got it other places. It's good news... If it's good for me, just as I am, and fulfills my expectations and makes me happier, more fulfilled, or something like that. But as we talked about in last week's sermon, the word translated as good news here, evangelion, was a common word in the ancient world. And it meant the proclamation of a military victory on the part of one king over another. John is proclaiming the coming of this king who will set at naught the powers that are arrayed against him. Now, if you have been oppressed for a long time, if someone, some oppressive force, some tyrant has had their boot on your neck for a long time, the news that a king is coming is going to overthrow that tyrant is good news indeed. And that is exactly what John is proclaiming. As he calls the people to repentance, what he's revealing to them is that they have, by their participation in sin, been cooperating with the tyrant who has his boot on their neck. They have been helping him, going back and enslaving themselves, wrapping themselves in chains over and over and over again for the pleasure of the tyrant who first said to them in a garden, you will not surely die. They know 
They know what the wages of sin are, and yet they keep sinning. So John calls them to freedom. Remember, there's two parts to any evangelion, to any good news proclamation like this. The first is, who is the new king? The second is, what does the new king expect of you? To turn from your sin that you might live for Him and with Him and by His glory and grace. This is what John is calling the people to. The word he's preaching that the Lord gave him reveals to them their cooperation with sin. Something that either forgotten or that had become obscured to them. That they were in fact in chains. This is what the word, this word of knowledge from the part of John reveals to them. Now knowledge was also mentioned in our second reading. I don't know if you caught that. I'll give you a little review. Here's what St. Paul says. He says, It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. Now, when the Apostle Paul talks about knowledge, he usually means one of two things. The first is knowledge of the Word of God. It is our knowledge of the law that reveals our sins to us and makes apparent to us what we're doing wrong and the ways we are living out of step with the God who loves us, who wants the best for us. The second is knowledge of ourselves. And that flows directly from the first. And as we acquire more knowledge about God and God's Word, we have more knowledge about ourselves and more ability and power to change directions. It's not pleasant, anything that John the Baptist has to say. But this is akin to hearing the news from your doctor that if you keep eating the way you are, you will die young. But here's the good news, you can stop. <laughs> you can change your diet. <laughs> the news is bad up front, but good on the tail side. Now, the knowledge of God's Word is something that the people had but needed to be reminded of constantly, as we do too. There's nothing John the Baptist is not saying or preaching that doesn't flow directly out of the Ten Commandments or some other commandment from the Old Testament with which they should have been familiar. But as he preaches, their hearts are laid bare before them. And they begin to ask him, what shall I do? What shall I do? What shall I do? Every caste and social group comes to him and seeks to get right with God. In that passage I just read to you from St. Paul, he says he hopes that love may abound more and more with them, with knowledge and all discernment. And that knowledge, and the knowledge is the knowledge of the Word of God, the discernment is how it applies to your life. And then, now that you can tell light from dark, good from evil, obedience from disobedience, now, now you have an ability you didn't have before. And this is to approve what is excellent. Approve what God approves of. 
Instead of doing like I was doing when I heard the word good news that first time in church and I was thinking my own thoughts and not thinking the way Scripture was using the word, now you can begin to approve what is really good and not just good in your own eyes. And that is how we can be pure and blameless for the day of Jesus Christ. It's not that we're going to be completely sin-free, but that we're going to be constantly, as a colleague of mine from Delaware says, working the problem. We're receiving the Word of God. It lays our hearts bare. We turn from our, the sin we were cherishing in this part, or this part, or this part, or this part of our lives, and turn towards God's Word, learning to approve what God approves of. And by the power of His Spirit dwelling within us, to turn our lives more and more over to Him in trust and faith. Neil T. Anderson, um, who was both a parish pastor and a seminary professor, tells a story of a young woman who learned this very important lesson uh, from his, his ministry. He was preparing a month-long intensive retreat for his seminarians to prepare them for the parish and there was this young lady in his parish who he thought really needed what these seminarians were going to get. On, on externals, on, on, with your Sunday morning game face on, she looked like she had it all. She's 23 years old, beautiful young lady, intelligent, seemed to be doing okay. But because he was her pastor, he knew that life was not really good behind the facade on Sunday mornings. She flunked out of college because her depression had made it such that she rarely got up for class and went. She'd failed again and again in her life. She was struggling with an eating disorder and no amount of therapy seemed to be helping her. So he, he called her Jenny in, in the story and he says, Jenny, I want you to sit down and talk with me. And they did and he invited her to go on this retreat and she seemed open to it and he said to her, he said, but here's what I don't want you to do. He says, for the next 30 days, I don't want you to focus on your behavior. Your behavior is not your problem. And she seemed kind of surprised by that and she said, but... But that's all we're talking about in therapy. It's all we've been talking about with my professors back at college. And, and he said, no, your, your behavior is not your problem. It's your beliefs. What you believe is giving birth to your behaviors. He said, what I want you to know before we go on this retreat is that you are as precious, as gifted, as lovely, and as perfect for the kingdom as any one of those seminarians. And I want you to listen attentively to God's word until you really understand it and really understand what I'm saying to you right now. And she went on the retreat, he says, and over the course of that 30 days, he watched her struggle. And as she heard the word of God afresh and attended to it as opposed to her own mess, more and more she came to believe that she was the precious child whom God had traded the life of his own son for. And as her heart changed, she began to relax 
And he could see a change come over. And when they left the retreat, sure, she went back to the same messes to clean up in her life that she'd had before. But she did so with a heart transformed by the Word of God. Her own discernment had been brought up because of the knowledge of the Word of God she'd received. So that now she could see the places in her spiritual life. She was making a turn away from God that had exercised and worked themselves out in her behaviors that had been so problematic. And over the course of the next months and years, her life changed utterly as she lived from the grace that she was given in Jesus Christ. The call of John the Baptist down the ages is for Christians and all people to turn away from our sins and look on His goodness, His sinlessness, His perfect sacrifice, and approve what God approves, that we might be transformed and healed. Would you join me for a word of prayer? Gracious Lord, it is so much easier to believe the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves than the story you tell us about yourself. We think we have great insight into the way we work, but you know us better than we could ever know ourselves. So as your word lays bare our heart, as it peels back the layers of the onions that are our souls, you help us see where we are cherishing our sin, cherishing our idols. And you help us seeing that to turn from them to live for you alone. And in living that way, you give us life, which makes us more the people we were meant to be than any strivings on our own could. Help us in this season of preparation. Lay our hearts bare before us that we may live ever more fully for you and anticipate your coming with clouds descending or in a manger in Bethlehem. This we ask in your precious name. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that Thou art. Be Thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, Thy presence my light.